Hello, friends. This is our why. Hey, you know, every once in a while, somebody from the community steps out and says, hey, how can I help you? And I just want to give it a shout out today to somebody who's jumped in and said, hey, look, I do audio editing and production, and I would love to help you. So big shout out today to DadBod, who jumped in and said, how can I help with this podcast. Thank you so much for doing the edit and the mixing. I cannot tell you how helpful that is. If you have something that you'd like to contribute to the podcast, if it's something you really enjoy listening to and want to just help out, our transcribers have done it. Folks have helped spread the word on social media. Folks have given it uh, five stars on uh, Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Anything you can do to help out is much, much appreciated this week. Big thanks to DadBod. All right, let's jump into the podcast. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Ready? Welcome to Love in Brief, a brief ABDL podcast focused on issues of love. 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 I love love. I love, love yourself. Love. Self. Self. Sorry, I, meant, I just meant to say love again. Others. Love. love. Oh, we are on it. I can. I can feel, I can feel love it for your community. community. Yeah. Love for your friends and um, love them. Love for the new and potentially uh, super exciting and fun situations that you can get into and set up for yourself, which is exactly what we're talking about today. Heck yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about um, play. We're going to talk about interpersonal play specifically. There's lots of forms of play. Heck, we've done Mm. a couple of episodes on play for one, which we both think is just fabulous. But this one is play between two or more people. And specifically, um, we're going to talk about how to communicate to have better play together. Right. So essentially the work that goes in to make the play play. Yeah. And I I think, you know, of course there's some folks who are listening who are like, whoa, I don't, I've never even met anybody. I can't imagine actually playing all the way through to folks who are like, ah, I play all the time. I bet there is something for everybody in this discussion. Um, Mm. And uh, if you want to have better play, yeah, you can learn all kinds of cool rope techniques or spanking techniques or just the right diapering technique. Uh, That's all great. But there's Mm -hmm. also all the stuff that happens before you ever even start playing. And there's the stuff that happens in between playthings and scenes. Mm -hmm. And then there's the stuff that happens afterward and we're going to focus on that stuff today that makes the play so much better right so we're not doing calisthenics we're not doing foot drills we're not talking about being (laughs) the best player you can be we are just talking about being the best teammate you can be heck yeah i love that analogy that's perfect yeah oh thank you and, and we get to welcome back to Love and Brief, a good friend of ours, and I think a really wise person. Duffman, welcome back to Love and Brief. Hey, thank you all for having me. Absolutely. This is one that we've kind of kept in our back pockets for a while, because I know you and I got into a conversation months ago, and you had all these really wise sort of tips and tricks for better play and how to communicate for better play. And I was like, oh, we got to do that episode. And mm-hmm. this week... We're doing that episode, but before we do, we always start with a question. Um, tell us about your love right now. Uh, well, at the moment, I love you guys for having me back on. Um, Aww, yeah, thank glad you. Glad to pleasure speaking to you guys again. We love um, you too. Also, um, just you know, having love for community and all meeting new friends and uh, and all the wonderful experiences 
that come along with it, along with the ability to go and travel and meet new people. Um, so my love's pretty broad, to be quite honest, but uh, it's there. Yeah, and I know you've got travel coming up, which means you may even have some play coming up. And that's the so hope. <laughs> that's the hope. If all goes well, yeah, I know you and, and your partner are going to travel, and then you've got you've got some exciting adventures. I get to hopefully travel to see you here in a little bit. Um, so you've got lots of adventures in your near future. Um, I wonder if we could start with if if you have sort of an overarching paradigm, I suppose, when you're getting ready to play and maybe I'll even define play a little bit. Play can take a lot of forms, right? Sometimes right. it's, it's uh, scenes. Sometimes it's somebody that you're in a relationship with. Sometimes it's somebody brand new. Uh, I guess there's lots of forms of play, huh? Yeah, there's a lot. Um, so, I mean, from my experiences and I've had a lot of different experience with the, you know, vanillas and also people inside the scene and out and some people exploring, um, so what I found um, that's most effective is just kind of defining the rules on how to have the community conversation per se. Um, so how to you know initially say, hey, here is a need of mine. Here's how I'm going to communicate that need of mine to you. And here's how I want your involvement. And here's how I want you to communicate back to me. Um, now, I think that that's all just really, really important. Um, and actually, <clears throat> I got a lot of the feedback from... Uh, opening up to vanilla partners about some of my kink interests. Uh, some of them went good. Some of them went bad, you know, pretty much as, you know, as, as predicted. Um, but you kind of learn from each one. Um, so I started developing um, kind of a, a body language type thing and some different tricks to, well, not necessarily tricks, just forms of communication that go and help have the conversation and make it seem less awkward and just kind of more productive, if that makes sense. That totally makes sense. And I, I know RNT and I have talked about this on previous episodes, but like when you describe having a conversation beforehand, sharing needs, I do feel kind of awkward, right? Like it can feel a little bit weird to talk about fun, sexy ABDL things or spanking and say, here's what I need. So I'm down for some tips and tricks, man. And would love to start sort of at the, even before you're together, other level maybe even just if you're planning to meet somebody does it start even then like when you're like hey we should meet up sometime and maybe play well i it kind of it kind of a double-edged sword right so usually if you're going into meeting people you already know the elephant in the room you know you have shared interests and you're going and um you need to go and navigate that conversation um so that's that's kind of one element to it um but one thing that i wanted to mention uh, that was very important was going and expressing your needs to a partner that may kind of be unaware of what your needs are and what your interests are and how to express them um, in certain ways. So one thing that I, I kind of did unintentionally, but kind of observed myself was when I quit smoking. Um, so when I quit smoking, one of the tips that I used was I was constantly looking for a way to keep my hands busy. So I would keep a water bottle in my hand and go and, you know, mimic the motion of, you know, taking the cop off uh, or spinning the top off, putting my hands down, putting it up to my mouth, drinking and putting it down. So it was kind of a very familiar motion because you kind of come across very apprehensive when you're, you know, looking for a cigarette or where you're needing a cigarette. So mm, people yeah. read, they feed off of that body language and they, you can kind of come across as nervous or, you know, 
certain ways, what your conversation is going to portray isn't quite going to mean what you want it to mean. And it can be interpreted in a lot of different ways. So I felt that when I was going and expressing kink interest, it was kind of a similar thing where I was saying, hey, I'm interested in this and I want to bring you into this lifestyle of mine is they would look at me and go, okay, well, this is kind of awkward. So it's kind of getting rid of the awkwardness um, by what I used as kind of a kitchen technique. So I would try and use um, like cooking, like say, hey, we're going to go and do a joint activity together where, you know, both of our hands are busy. We're focused on a common task, whether it's cutting onions, you know, tenderizing meat, anything like that, and then having the conversation that way. So you're not sitting there directly on a couch right in front of each other, looking awkwardly into each other's eyes saying, hey, I want to put you in diapers type thing. (laughs) Yeah, especially if it's your first time having that conversation. The kitchen technique is brilliant. Yeah, having something to do with your hands. Yeah, so I just found that it just progressed things a little bit easier because everyone, everybody wants to focus on, you know, kind of the topic at hand, but it allows breathing room. So you're not like right up in each other's space saying, hey, you know, here's something brand new that I want you to go and be involved in. But also to even bring it up, you're also doing something together to start with. So it's initiating the conversation together and also doing a task together. I like that detail that you're already doing something jointly. So it kind of lends itself to furthering the conversation in a together way. Yeah. It's already sort of cooperative and, and moving toward a shared goal. I, you know, now that you're saying this, I bet this applies outside of kink as well. I was just thinking like, I used to have a mentor in, in high school and early college, not in the kink world, just in life who, every time I would go over to his house, the first thing he'd do is be like, come here and help me with something. And we would start doing whatever little DIY thing it was we were, we were doing. And like, then he would dive into the deep stuff of life that would have been really awkward for us to, to be sitting across from each other in chairs. Well, absolutely. Um, so I think it can apply in, you know, any walks of life because I mean, one thing that we have now that wasn't quite there when I first entered the community was, you know, a lot of the online stuff. So people can interact in one way online. And then when you meet them in person, it's kind of completely different. So if you have like an online relationship with somebody where you're starting to establish, you know, either an online or play dynamic and you're starting to get in, you know, get in depth of that. And then you go and initiate a meetup. It's, it's good to go and do something together so that it takes away some of the awkwardness because the person that you met online may not always be the person that you meet in person. Sure. And yeah, we communicate really differently, right? In these two different forums. Exactly. And, you know, the thing is, is going and meeting somebody um, firsthand or meeting your first person can be an absolute terrifying experience for a lot of people. Um, I mean, I know from my own first example is it took me three times to work up the courage to go to my first munch when I was uh, when I was younger. But oh, um, yeah. Did you do the thing where happens. you drive halfway there and then turn around and come back? <laughs> I stayed in the parking lot for a little bit and I was kind of yeah. looking at people going in and I was like going, Oh, okay, this is terrifying. Somebody's going to recognize me here. And I left. Um, so yep. kind of did that a couple different times and then finally just went up and said, you know what, what do I got to lose? And just sat at the table and, uh, you know, that's how you finally just get your foot in the door. So that's overcoming awesome. personal fears. Yeah. 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 Do you remember if there were, not maybe at that one, maybe at other munches, but if there were activities that, you would even recommend and say, Hey, here's this thing. So you're not just sitting across a table from each other. Cause the thing that I default to is 
let's get drinks. But then the thing I'm doing is drinking, which is a bad combo for <laughs> negotiating, you know, potential play. So I wonder, are there other activities that sort of lend themselves to this? Yeah. Some of the most successful munches, um, that I've been to, I mean, I've been to some bad ones. Well, I had some subpar ones and I've also been to some very successful ones. Most of them are activity based, um, where, you know, for example, you're meeting at a John's incredible pizza where there's games there and, uh, you can go play uh, skee ball and whatnot. Same thing with like a Dave and Buster's is, you know, people can kind of come and go and be tasked as they want. So they're not stuck at a table. Um, so you know, also making sure that there's food there, you know, anything that goes and provides an area of comfort. But, you know, even with munches per se is going into it and having the kink element immediately in your face is usually terrifying for a lot of people. Mm, so it's, yeah. it's finding a way to make things kind of comforting for all to where if somebody is feeling overwhelmed or is, you know, having trouble interacting socially with people, it's not kink focused. It's more getting people, getting to know people focused. Yeah. And, I, and we've talked about munches before. I know I derailed us into munches, but, um, but that shared experience piece, I think really carries into munches for the one-on-one conversations. I'll even back up before that first meetup. Have you ever tried to start communicating for better play when you're, you know, in, interacting online, even before you've, you've met, are there steps to be taken there that can help even for that first time that you want to meet up? Um, yeah. Um, so basically it's kind of how things are, it's, it's kind of an act and react type thing. So you kind of, you know, you don't jump into the deep end of the pool and wait for the biggest splash to go and, you know, figure out what's going on because people can be really inappropriate with going, Hey, nice to meet you. Here's my wet diaper. You know, so a lot of people can be very inappropriate, but it's more of a, you know, getting to know them a little bit more that's establishing, you know, Hey, a good give and take relationship when it comes to conversation. Um, then you can start initiating, you know, maybe, um, some playful names or playful banter and seeing if they're receptive to it and then expanding off of that. So pretty much everything is just feeding off of the other person and developing an organic relationship with them. Can you give us an example of what maybe is a technique that either you or someone you know has tried that was well-meaning, but it just did not translate into creating good communication? And on the other side, what what is the situation that you've heard about or experienced that has been like super successful and it's actually been something that you've taken in and use now uh for an online basis or just in general in general um you it could be online it could be at a munch suggesting mm -hmm. play um or just in any kind of play-based situation where you're having the discussion beforehand okay um well i mean i can kind of dive into like once you've initiated play um usually to get any one-on-one -on -one play usually you have an established relationship with them beforehand you have some common interests so i mean for me like successful methods that i've found you know just within myself and with other people is usually you know ignoring the elephant in the room right is going this may be the least interesting thing about this person yes we share this common interest but let me kind of peel back the layers of you and valuing the dynamic that we're going to build with each other and whether or not there even is one. So I think that people have a higher success rate when they focus on, you know, the value of the person and what they can bring to a relationship with you 
um, that is going to create a better dynamic. And so they're going to have more success when they're not focused on just initiating play because play can be pretty black and white, you know, when it comes to going negotiating certain things, but the higher success rate is going to be, Hey, I value as a person and establishing a trust and that they are actually valued as a person before initiating the play conversation. I like, I love that. And here's why what you said about sometimes play can be pretty black and white or straightforward. Um, you know, I, I know that one of the things people have sought you out and you've sought them out for when it comes to play is things like impact play, right? And it's tempting to think that's just about somebody walking up and going, hey, will you spank me later? Or will you flog me later? Or whatever. What you're describing is saying something like, I mean, maybe, but can I can I get to understand who you are and what you like beyond just, you know, I'm not just a spanking machine or a flogging machine. Let me understand more about who you are. You can understand a little bit about who I am and then bring that to our play. Is, am I, am I getting that right? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, a lot of the people that I've played with, especially the ones that I have a really good relationship with that'll, you know, ask for impact or spanking play or, you know, any sort of anything along that um, lines are usually people I know outside of that just kink element. Um, there'll be times where somebody comes up that I'm you know familiar with um, but don't really know that well. And they say, Hey, can we do this? Or would you be willing to do this? And then we just need to have the conversation first. Um, so me, I'm going to always go and seek out, you know, having additional conversation before I go and work with new partners. Um, just because it's not just, you know, for our own benefit of having a great scene, but it's also safety. Um, so we we'll want to know if there's any, you know, underlying conditions, any underlying, anything that I need to know, uh, before initiating and something that could be very, you know, physically and emotionally damaging for a party. Um, so I think that it's just, you know, being conscious of what you're working with before you go and initiate that. So if you did know someone in, um, a, in the kink community who you also spoke with outside of it, uh, like you're speaking about now people who you feel comfortable jumping into a scene with, how would you suggest going about initiating that first scene uh, with someone new? Um, usually it comes to, you know, if they'll come to me. Um, so I always go into events with, you know, no expectations. I'm not going to go in there saying I'm going to spank X amount of butts like at this event. And then I consider it a success. I always go in with, <laughs> that's a wild thought. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can just I see always, like tallying. Yeah. I can see why that's a bad approach. It is. And so when you go in with an expectation of going, Hey, I just, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm open to sharing my space with people. And if they trust me, um, and we develop, um, a good, you know, speaking rapport and relationship, um, together that will initiate a scene. Um, then we can go and discuss that. Um, but I always leave myself pretty available, um, when it comes to having those discussions. Um, so usually, um, I mean, people can be kind of nervous when they're coming up to somebody and, you know, I've, I've heard that I can be kind of defensive looking and not easy to approach. Um, so I figure that if they are coming to me and asking me for, you know, a thought about, Hey, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about this? Or how would I do this? Then, you know, eventually I'm going to go and ask, I said, well, you know, if, if you like, we can discuss having a scene together or we can, you know, we can work with this. I want to know what your thoughts are with this. Um, you know, what are your basics? What are your experience? 
and just start um, and asking questions. And usually that'll feed into whether or not a scene is going to develop or not. What do you think are the most important questions that you need to ask before okaying a scene with someone? Uh, probably one of the most important is, are you drunk um, or are you on any drugs? Um, Good point. So, so, I mean, that's the big thing with me is, um, you know, I've been in multiple events where, you know, people have said, hey, you know, hey, can we discuss having a scene with you later and do some impact stuff? And I said, well, you know, you need to come and we need to discuss this before, you know, X time because I'm going to have a whiskey at this time. And anything past that, it's going to be a no-go at the station to go and initiate that type of play. So, you know, the most important thing is um, seeing if they're just having um, the beer bravery or the drug bravery to go and initiate the scene or if it's something they really want. Once you get past that, I just, and this may be the most uh, awkward ask in the history of my podcast, but can you, can you kind of dialogue with me a little bit as if you were trying to figure out what I wanted from a scene. So we've, we've sort of established that I'm in a good space to make decisions. I really genuinely want to have this discussion. What do you ask me next? Um, I probably ask you what your experience are, uh, what levels of aftercare you need afterwards. Uh, Um, yeah. And so just kind of how to care for things going forward. You know, what are your goals in the scene? How much experience do you have? Do you understand um, the levels and that you control the scene? Because especially Mm -hmm. if I'm topping from, you know, an impact standpoint is I give the bottom complete control over the scene and I let them know and reassure them that they can say, and they have the power to read a scene anytime they want. And it's not on me. It's not on anybody else. It's completely on that person. So if they feel uncomfortable at any point in time, Um, They control the power. I'm just a participant and I'm just a facilitator of it. That is such a, a, I think a great reframing of sometimes what I have seen. And of course we're speaking in sort of BDSM terms, but it applies to any type of scene, right? It could just be a caretaking scene. It's any, anything where you were in a vulnerable position with another person or having a sexual experience, but this reframing of, Hey, I want you to know that you're in charge of this. Um, that's really helpful, especially coming from, you know, as you describe it, sort of you're in this dominant perspective. I think sometimes there is pressure for the person in the dominant side or the dominant role, I should say, to, to just know what to do. You should just know what to do or the sub to think on the flip side of the same coin. I guess I shouldn't ask for things, right? Like, cause I'm supposed to be submissive well yeah and i i understand how that perception can be um but when it comes to bdsm you know and just any sort of dynamic a lot of it it's just about power exchange is you are giving control to another person right but you need that person that you're playing with needs to earn that control first and so establishing you know that hey we are going into the scene with you in control I am the facilitator, and if you decide to shift into, you know, now you have complete over thing over me and complete authority over me, then that's just a trust, you know, that's being amplified, right? So you are then, you know, furthering your relationship with that other person to where they trust that their safety is in your hands and you're going to do the best for them to have the best possible scene. Um, While at the same point, they need to trust that they can break that scene. And know that, you know, breaking a scene is not 
you know, the be all end all worst thing you're going to end up, you know, dragged through everywhere, unless you're being blatantly unsafe. But, you know, stopping a scene is not always a bad thing. Sometimes you just need to take a step back and reassess. And I never think that having open communication or keeping those routes of open communication with somebody I'm playing with is a bad thing. I mean, it's, it should always be open no matter what. Amen. Amen. I mean, I have stopped scenes. I have had scenes stopped that I was leading. Um, and it is never a situation, like you said, unless somebody's just being wildly irresponsible, it's never a situation where you're saying, Hey, I'm judging you. You're out. You, or you did a bad job. You're saying I'm communicating a need right now, or I'm listening to you communicate a need right now. And that is the foundation of really great play. No, absolutely. And it, it can translate with, you know, any sort of play. Um, right. So, you know, communicating needs and finding ways to go and um, make sure that your needs are being met. Um, like one, for example, so we've talked a lot about, you know, impact and spanking type things. So the physical elements, but let's talk about, you know, what everybody else wants to talk about is the age play element. Right. So one Woo-hoo. thing that, right. So it's about time. Um, so always what we kind of get to and something that, you know, is kind of an irky thing for me, um, just as, as a top and a daddy and a caregiver is when people are quote unquote bratty. Right. And so for me, that word, to be quite honest, it feels like it's dismissing somebody's needs. Um, you can go and dismiss somebody as, Oh, they're just being bratty or, Mm. Oh, you know, they're just a brat and Oh, that's, you know, just their way of being a brat. I don't really see it that way. And I believe that, you know, the viewpoint of, you know, just calling somebody a brat, I mean, whether they identify as one or not, I just think that it's beneficial to go and identify what the need is that's being asked for at that time. So if somebody is, you know, acting out or being bratty or having, you know, that behavior expressed from my perspective is they're not being bratty. They're expressing that they have a need that they want you to meet. Oh, that's interesting. So even, even if the behavior is, you know, so-called bratty behavior, they may be communicating a want or a need. It just may not be the thing that they're ostensibly doing. They may not be able to express it in a certain way, because mm-hmm. especially if you're going and in the middle of a scene or in a dynamic with somebody where you have a big little dynamic with them, um, there's times where they're not going to break their headspace to go and say, Hey, I want this. They're not going to speak to you as adult versus adult or adult to adult. They're going to speak kind of in whatever mindset that they fall into. So if their little age is pretty young, they're not going to articulate in paragraph form that they want cuddles or they need a diaper change or they need to be fed. Like they are going to act in a certain way. That's a, that raises an interesting question for me, which is because you're describing during, essentially during the interaction, right? During the scene, they're in little space. What, do, you, do you have conversations beforehand that when, when they are in adult space and intentionally have conversations in adult space about what that little space experience is going to be like so that you don't have to rehab them or guess or surprise yourself when in little space? Right. And uh, I mean, that's one of the key elements is, you know, once you're in the headspace um, is to try and navigate it the best you can to where you're not breaking it. Um, So, you know, before, you know, especially with, um, you know, a new partner um, or establishing a new dynamic with somebody is I go back to my kitchen method, right, where I go and flat out put the rules out to say, hey, the kitchen is our neutral zone. 
if we need a break at any point in time, we can come here, we can have adult conversation, uh, we can reassess scenes, we can gauge where we're at. If we need to have conversations, we can we can go and navigate to the kitchen. We can you know sit there at the bar or have a drink or I can give you juice or anything like that, and we can reassess. Um, that goes both ways too, not just from the bottom, but also from the top, you know, in case somebody needs a break. Um, so for example, navigating, you know, a little into going and, you know, to where a kitchen would be needed or that, you know, safe place to go and have these discussions would be needed is just checking up on how things are going throughout the scenes. So for example, you know, as an adult or a caregiver, you don't need to say, Hey, do you want to go have the kitchen or go to the kitchen, have a talk? But you can talk to them and be like, hey, do you need some juice? Do you want to come to the kitchen? And you can kind of indicate, you know, hey, here's the intent. Here's my, what I'm presenting to you as if you need a break, you can say yes. If you don't, you can say, hey, things are fine the way they are, and I'm fine where I'm at. So we always establish um, these areas where this is adult speak, and then everything outside of that is how you navigate um, the scene and the dynamic in that element. How fun is that to have a geographical boundary? That's a, it's a really clever, like it's just a reflection of headspace in a physical space. Yeah. And it's a very caring way to not be super jarring about headspace because I know personally, whenever I'm in that headspace, it can be super jarring if somebody's like, wait, 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 pause, 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 pause. Which is essentially what you're doing, but in a way that's super caring and considerate of both parties, I think, which is really nice. Uh, 100%. And uh, just to kind of add on to that is it mentioned it goes both ways, right? Um, So there's certain ways to go and, you know, ask for the need for space or not need for reassessing to where, you know, you're opening up that maybe this is needed or this is my way of checking in on somebody where you say, okay, okay, kiddo, do you need an adult to go and do this? Or, okay, um, are you happy there in your, in your crib? Do you want me to get you anything? I'm going to go to the kitchen. And you can kind of go and ask these things and still be the caregiver, but you're giving them the opportunity to go and respond in what is most comfortable for them. Now, the same thing goes for a top, because there's at times where a top can be very, very taxing. And sometimes you just need a break. Um, so you can say, okay, kiddo, um, Hey, I'm going to go and fix some, uh, some juice. Would you come join me in the kitchen and this and this. So you can kind of navigate that way without going hey, hard stop because yeah. I mean, kind of what we hear, right. Is a lot of feedback from how dynamics are going and how play scenes are going is one, when a little has to top from the bottom. Um, apparently that's awful when the little is trying to direct the top on what to do. Um, that's kind of a, a headspace breaker. And also the other one is when a top goes, okay, well, Hey, pizza's coming in five minutes, you know, get up, you know, it's, it's that hard. Oh, stop, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, and you've described different ways of topping from the bottom. As you said, you can top from the bottom by having control of the scene in ways that you've previously discussed that don't break the scene, right? You can right. still top from the bottom and you can share needs in ways that you have already become familiar with giving each other those signs and signals and using language or even physical spaces as you've described it to communicate things you've already talked about or you've already rooted yourselves in and certainly as you get to know somebody more i'm sure that becomes easier i love the intentional practice 
of saying, hey, would be great not to have to break scene or break headspace. Here's some ways we can communicate with each other. No, absolutely. And that's where you establish that kind of beforehand where, you know, same thing when it goes to impact, when I'm negotiating a scene with anybody else is I say, okay, this is new for us. This is something that we're exploring together. Here is how I'm going to facilitate this scene for you. You are in control. I need your feedback to make this um, great for both of us. So I'm going to check in on you these ways. Here's the ways I'm going to communicate with you. Here's this. Here is this space if you need to you know reset or we need to reevaluate things. I'm giving them every opportunity that they can have to know that they are still kind of in control until they're ready to completely give that control. I'm curious, uh, not to take us back too many steps, but we've spoken about how to keep scenes that are agreed to working. Um, I'm curious if someone approaches you and you're actually not feeling comfortable or even just up to a scene with someone new or someone you already know, what is a way to say no that doesn't atrophy that relationship or that trust or that mood? How can you, do you have any tips on saying no thanks to this um, that are, I don't know, relationship um, building rather than deteriorating. No, absolutely. And uh, I mean, communication goes both ways, right? So, I mean, just as freely as somebody, you know, can go and ask and negotiate from their side is I need to be able to have, feel safe to say no. Um, So if, you know, there's a situation like, for example, like if somebody comes up to me and wants a scene, and I had a couple cocktails. I don't feel comfortable facilitating certain scenes with that. So I just explained to him, hey, you know, I'm, you know, we can definitely have this conversation, but at a later point right now, here's the deal. So I don't want to leave things ambiguous because if I just say, yeah, no, I'm not feeling it, that that's dismissing what their ask is. And it probably took a lot of, you know, courage on their part or a lot of, you know, whatever, whatever it took to go and ask. I don't want to dismiss them. But I also don't want to leave things open for interpretation to where they could see fault in asking for it. Um, so I'm going to be direct. Um, so I'm going to say, hey, you know, I didn't get a lot of sleep or, hey, you know, I've been I've been having a lot of scenes and I'm just I'm trying to enjoy my space right now. Um, I'm trying to, you know, unwind. And if the person values me as somebody they can have a scene with, then they'll understand that. Um, if they don't value me and they're only using me for a scene, then, you know, it probably wasn't worth exploring in the first place. That's a great way to put that. Cause I remember I, I had this experience with you when I had somebody that I brought to you, um, I don't know, a couple of Capcons ago. And I said, Hey, I have this idea. Let's do this thing. And you were so great because you went, wow, that sounds awesome. I'm exhausted. I've been doing this for an hour and a half or whatever. Tonight's not the night. And the way you did it was so clear that it wasn't, you were like, hooray for asking. And also to me and this person, eh, I can't do it right now. And it was like, the only message to me is, hey, communication's good. Thanks for doing it. Let's take a run at it tomorrow. Yeah, communication is never a bad thing. And so especially with, um, 
with just asking for kinks. I mean, it can be so jarring just going and asking for oh, certain God, needs yeah. being met. And so, I mean, especially, you know, I mean, even with close friends is I'll play with, you know, close friends and whatnot. And, you know, we have our friendship outside and we have our relationship outside, but, you know, if they ask for a certain scene or a certain thing to happen um, for a kink scene, you know, they could be scared that I could view them differently outside of it. Um, so just going and asking, I value those pre- people. I value playing with those people. I value our relationships together. So I think it's just so important just to not leave things open for interpretation. Um, so I would never dismiss an ask unless it's just, um, well, I would put things in a way that is not is not going to come across as dismissive, but it's also going to be very, very clear on why it can't happen at that moment. I will say in R&T, maybe you can sympathize a little bit here. That is different than somebody who has never met you and doesn't have a relationship with you walking up and asking for a diaper change or to you know, play with you in a way that feels really inappropriate. Those you can just reject <laughs> and say that is such an inappropriate way to ask. Cause I know RNT and I've certainly had folks come up and kind of break every social rule at once. And, um, and it's okay to, to politely talk about, you know, play or whatever, but, um, yeah, uh, completely agree. People who have bothered to establish some sort of connection and then politely engage in communication, uh, they deserve for that to be honored. People who just come up and are like, change my poopy diaper. Uh, no, you, you're, you're just going to get rejected like in, in a not nice way. Can confirm. Um, I would go so far as to say this is not an arena where subtlety is a good thing. So I think very early on uh, when uh ry you and i were dating somebody kind of sort of added themselves on to a seat to our to our sort of our our dynamic just in general by saying oh no like do we have to go take a nap should we eat a snack and i'm like oh hold on a second like you have to actually have a really really clear as Stephanie was saying conversation you can't just kind of leave nothing to interpretation or subtlety. Like yeah, you have just to be very insert clear. yourself in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was, that was, I mean, I, I feel like that was jarring for all parties involved. Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. not for that person, but for the other two parties. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I would say if clear clarity is important for sure. Yeah. And I appreciate you brought that one up too, in so much as it illustrates, you know, Duffman, as you pointed out, sure. When we think of scening, we often think of BDSM, I think. I think we think of spanking and impact play and all kinds of fun, torturous delights. Um, but this applies to dynamic. I mean, this a, like scening happens in lots of ways. And in the age play and ABDL world, sometimes scening is just kind of being mommied or daddied or caregivered. Or, um, and this person wasn't asking to be flogged. They were inserting themselves into our dynamic without consent. And while it's not a physical violation of consent, it was certainly like, Whoa, what are you doing here? Uh, so, so I, I don't want to go too far down that path, but just suffice it to say, of course, we always try and communicate clearly and we always try and say, Hey, thank you. I want to honor your communication unless it's just, come on, what are you doing? And I think probably everybody listening knows the difference. Um, I also want to note that we talked about communicating for better play. What is the benefit of all of this freaking communication? 
It seems like an awful lot of work. It may even seem slightly unsexy when you're having your pre-conversation or even your negotiation, as some people say. What's the benefit, Duffman? Well, why not? I mean, if the the thing is, is the plain and simple truth is, I mean, this is a factory install for so many of us, is where this is what makes us happy. This is our place. Um, these are our sexual interests. This is, you know, a wide variety of things. Um, if this is what you truly want, why would you not feel comfortable expressing them in a direct way? Um, well, and direct not being like, you know, hey, you know, go up and change my poopy diaper, blah, 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 blah type stuff or like what you've experienced. But clear communication only makes it better for all parties that are involved um, to where you can go and you can expand on certain things and you can get your needs met, uh, whether as a top or a bottom or anything. You know, this could be a deep rooted desire that you've been thinking about your entire life. And if you're in that element with somebody that you trust and you value and you can put you know, your, your faith in that they're going to successfully navigate a scene with you, why would you not want to go and express your needs to them? and give them the opportunity to go and meet that. That's well said. Absolutely. The benefit is actual rewarding play where you get your needs met because you both have discussed what those needs are. Yeah. I mean, I guess like to, to use an analogy, I, if I were planning like a raging party, I was planning a, a huge weekend party. I would never go in with the plan of either. I'm just going to plan it when we start the party what's planning don't don't bother or nor would i say here's what i'm going to do is i'm only going to plan when i'm super already drunk and partying because that's when it feels most natural i would step outside the the future experience i want to have and make really great plans to have the best fucking weekend of my life and i would do those things in a context that was deliberate and sober and choiceful so that I could have the future experience I really, really want to have. And then when the party comes, I can have the time of my life. But to see those things as disparate, I think, is one of the tendencies that leads us to not communicate. It's like, oh, talking about sex is unsexy. I don't think it is. I think that's how you set yourself up for the best sexual encounter or the best play encounter or dynamic encounter of your life. No, I completely agree with you. And uh, I mean, one thing that you know, we touched on a little bit earlier is, you know, that I wanted to kind of circle back to a little bit, uh, cause you brought up, you know, alcohol and drug being involved and being approached with somebody who may be, you know, um, not quite in the right frame of mind to have a scene with. Um, I don't believe in dismissing that either. Um, so if they come up to you and say, Hey, you know, and they're really, really drunk and they get their, 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 their beer courage, and they come up and say, hey, you know what? Can you go and do this? Can you go and do this? I'm thinking in the back of my mind, it's not going to happen right now. I'm going to wait until you're so, uh, sober, but I'm still going to reconnect with you and circle back because you're expressing a desire. So if I'm going to go and I'm going to go and reconnect with that person, be like, hey, you know, just um, wanted to touch base with you. Uh, we had mentioned you mentioned something to me last night, and I wanted to see if this is something that you still wanted to explore, um, you know, now that you know, we're sober and we could probably facilitate it or whether or not you want to discuss that. Um, so I still do that. Um, but it's also just, you know, mainly about just safety, really. Um, you can't consent to a scene. Um, you know, if you're really on a lot of drugs and a lot of 
very, very drunk. Um, so I think it's kind of a disservice to, you know, get into a lot of scene type things, uh, when you're not in the right frame of mind and you can also run in, into very unsafe situations, um, with people that will go and willingly facilitate that for you, uh, without questioning your oh, right frame sure. of mind. No, for sure. Yeah. And we, we, you know, we talked about consent. Consent is not antithetical to sexy fun times. It is essential for sexy fun times. We talked about communication beforehand. We talked about planning and saying, what do we both want out of this experience? And of course, again, much like a party or writing a song together, or I presume dancing, I don't know how to dance, but um, I assume that having that pre-planning is a given in every other sort of cooperative building experience. It's just something about sexual encounters, kink encounters that people feel weird about it. I think it's not only not antithetical, I think it's essential for really, really great play. Communicate, plan, structure, decide. It's not that you can't have freewheeling fun, but if you're going to do a scene and try new stuff together, why not talk about what you want and what you don't want? It is. And also, also, for example, because we keep going to the uh, the party analogy, is just because you're attending a party does not mean it's open consent for everybody there. Um, you know, that's one misconception that I see quite often is that, you know, people would be like, hey, I'm hanging out with kink friends. This means that, you know, my space is their space and we're all on the same page about uh, the expectation that play is going to be kind of implied. Um, and I think that that may be an incorrect um, approach to it. Um, so I always try and brief everybody and say that, you know, um, consent is something that's earned. That's a good call out. I'm so glad you called that out. Um, consent is not a given. It never, ever should be. I think bottom line, consent is the baseline. Communication beforehand is super helpful. Planning and during the scenes to have better play. It sounds like the trick is... You can absolutely just talk out loud, uh, but you can also find really cool ways to say things to your partner that can help guide that scene, both as a top and a bottom. Um, it's just helpful if beforehand you understand what those ways are. <laughs> if you're going to go waving semaphore at each other, you should probably decide you know, what it means. So, um, Duffman, this has been fantastic. Anything else that you want to share or RNT, anything else you want to ask about? Um, nothing else I want to ask about Duffman. I feel like you did a really good job, um, giving everybody a refresher on consent and conversation, but also teaching us new things. So I really appreciate that you're here. Yeah, likewise. And I will say Duffman, one thing we didn't talk about, and I'll just, I know we, you and I had chatted offline, but there's also communication after the fact. So aftercare, that's a given, but even sort of debriefing experiences, right. In order to get the next experience even better. Oh, absolutely. I mean, aftercare is essential with uh, any scene, especially one that can be uh, pretty physically and emotionally draining uh, because you don't want to leave anybody hanging. Uh, you want to make sure that, you know, you're you're wrapping things up and you're checking on their safety, you know, not just right after you wrap up a scene, but especially if it's something is somebody um, that may be new or maybe there was 
um, a lot that went into the scene that could be physically or emotionally draining, checking with them, you know, a day after, a couple days after, just doing periodic checkups on, you know, how their frame of mind is, you know, how they feel afterwards. You know, sometimes they'll come up to you and be like, hey, look at my butt, you know, look at the scars <laughs> or they uh, look at the bruises that you left here. I mean, they're amazing and they'll be really, really happy and excited to go and do something else with you. Sometimes they'll be like, you know, hey, it was a little draining for me. Maybe we should slow down next time. And we can it's it's just about having the conversation. Um, but, you know, even with any sort of scene, especially with you know age play in particular, it's such a it's such a mentally um, driven kink. And, you know, diapers and, you know, passies and clothes and all that stuff, they're just the tools, right? It's the dynamic that is what's important and what should be center focus. So going and having those check-ins, those periodic things with people uh, can expand a scene where you're asking for certain things and, you know, maybe they want to explore more. Um, But just doing those constant check-ins makes things just a better experience for everybody. Yeah. And that that sort of debrief and reflection both to check on safety how are you doing are we cool are you cool can i do anything for you and because next time if there is a next time we can make this even more awesome because i have feedback now on what was really meaningful for you and you have feedback on what was meaningful for me so communication all over the board it just makes for great play duffman thank you so much for being with us again on love and brief hey thank you for having me and RNT, you want to take us home by letting people know maybe how they can get in touch with us? Sure. Uh, we are on FetLife. Love in Brief uh, on FetLife. You can get in contact with Resident Yes. Um, I am never on there, so he is your go-to. You can email us at loveandbrief at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram and on Tumblr. Is that still a thing? At Resident <laughs> it's yes. definitely still a thing. Um, yes. And uh, yeah, that's how you do it. That's definitely how you do it. We would love your questions. Uh, I think I mentioned in our last question roundup, we had finally called to below 50% of our questions. We were batting over 500 and answering questions. So we're, we're gonna, we've are gonna we got a summer one coming, so we can catch up on that. Uh, but would love more of your questions. Always welcome your thoughts and comments. And you can even join the, the FetLife group. So we have a group on there uh, where we publish every episode and try and, and really look forward to some commentary on the episodes. Positives, negatives, additions, stories we couldn't capture in the episode episode. Uh, so that's on FetLife just for the look for the Love and Brief podcast group. And uh, Duffman, if folks want to get a hold of you, how might they do that? Or don't they? Um, so I'm on Instagram. Uh, so the Duffman underscore 82. And I'm also on FetLife, um, although I don't check that quite as often. So Instagram is probably the best route, but I'm also on FetLife uh, Duffman 82. Right on. And friends, so happy to be back with you. This is our summer schedule, so it's not necessarily as regular because everybody's traveling, but cannot wait to see you on another episode of Love in Brief. Love in Brief. Love in Brief.